Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. The podcast that used to think it was bad until it saw Scott Brown. This week on Heart and Hand, Ryan Jack is a fucking bro. Welcome to Heart and Hand Rangers Podcast. My name is David Edgar and I am joined this week by a bumper panel of Heart and Hand regulars. Funnily enough, I didn't have much of a struggle this week in whipping uh, up a quorum for today's show. Joining me first of all is the legend that is Mr Ian Hogg. Good evening, good afternoon and uh, happy Hogmanay. The legend that is Mr Martin Ramsey. Evening all, how are we? And the cuddly legend that is Mr Cameron James Bell. Boys, wonderful to speak to you. We've been through a lot. We've put up with a lot. And while there will be time for sober reflection on what happened on Saturday, fuck that today, Rangers finally, after 13 attempts, managed to slay the dragon that is that lot. And Martin, this had been a long, long time coming but when it came, who knew it was going to be quite so straightforward? Yeah, well, that's the thing, isn't it? Um, the Scottish Cup semi-final gave us something of a release, but effectively we, we beat them in a penalty kick competition. Um, we didn't nick this, we didn't steal it. Better Rangers sides have done that against poor Celtic sides. We we beat them from, from top to bottom, from start to finish. Um and the whole 90 minutes, the whole experience, it got a bit much at the end. And it's kind of independent of the title race and anything like that. It, it was it was more than that. It was just six and a half years of frustration and humiliation just getting completely released. Hoggy, as Martin says there, if people criticise, and I've seen that with the usual suspects, I think Sutton was one of them, coming out and saying, oh, you know, you, you over-celebrated. As always seems to happen when Rangers win, any celebration is considered over-celebration. My answer to that is simply, you weren't there. You didn't go through what we have gone through and you cannot possibly realise the significance of this. Nobody can, because no club of our stature has had to endure what we've had to endure. And no, this isn't the final, the final chapter in the story of us coming back, but it's an important one. Um... Where were all these usual suspects back in whenever it was September when Celtic decided to do a lap of honour and stop in front of the Rangers fans who had been kept back uh, to to witness it? Where were all these uh, so-called pundits, so-called experts then? Not one of them said a peep. So after what we've been through, quite frankly, I'm going to ask these so-called pundits who the fuck do you think you are telling us that we shouldn't celebrate a monumental win? So let's take it with the um, 
Let's let, let, let's let's consign those opinions to where they're best kept, and that's the bin. Fuck every single one of them. We should celebrate exactly how the hell we want. Cami, it was massive. There's, there's no getting away from it. It was something that we did have on Stephen Gerrard's to-do list at the start of the season. Uh, I think, yeah, we over we over competed in Europe, and I think that or, or over achieved in Europe. I don't think anyone said on day one you've got to get us to the Europa League group stages this season, but we did say challenge and beat Celtic in a game that matters not the last old firm game of the season if they've already wrapped it up beat them in a game where the, the two sides go out and break the psychological hold they have over us yeah it's a it, it's a another step David and, and when you start counting up all of these steps you can see sincere progress other issue with having not beaten um, Moral Compass FC in the league was it just felt like a, a stranglehold, like a, a constant grip that they had. <clears throat> and I think that as as everything started to settle down and you reflect back on on Saturday, we didn't just get the result. We didn't just get the three points. The manner of the performance, the, the way we went about our business was absolutely phenomenal. Um, they were shit, but we made them shit. Um, I don't believe a team that's got some capability like they have just all of a sudden decide to down tools. It is because of our work rate and our effort. Um, and I think that's that's the most pleasing thing for me. I know it sounds bizarre. Everyone loves a 90-second minute winner and all of that kind of thing. But I'm actually prouder of the performance rather than just the result because we have spoken so many times in the period that you've just covered about lack of fight lack of character winning individual battles there's, there's, we've seen Rangers teams lose psychological battles in the in the tunnel before a whistle has even been blown oh, we've seen several uh, of this squad do it yeah and that for me is, is the most pleasing element of progress that I've seen um, and Gerard has to take tremendous, tremendous credit for that. That's a good point Martin because there were players, there are players in that team who must have had a lot of scar tissue and two in particular who were outstanding on on Saturday were James Tavernier and, and Andy Halliday both of whom have had severe doings from Celtic in their time and a lot of criticism Andy Halliday of course was, was humiliated in the, the cup semi-final where he was substituted before half time and for them firstly for them to demonstrate the mental strength to come through it is outstanding but I agree with Cammy that, that for me the deeper and more important point is that through their mental strength or through the manager or both uh, working in tandem that they have managed to overcome that and to turn up not ready to compete so much as ready to take over and just smash their opponents in individual battles right from the start. Well, well mental strength comes from, from belief and it comes from evidence and it, uh, it, it comes from knowing that, that you can win rather than hoping that you you know you might get something you might get the break of the ball um one of the things we all uh, hoped in the summer was that we had well we definitely had a manager with a lot of self-belief we knew that um and hopefully that could be transferable to some of these players who had deep scar tissue from humiliations previously um and yeah that, that's exactly what we saw from from pretty much the first minute um and it was, we've seen glimpses of it in big games, 45 minutes in Villarreal, uh, an hour at Tynecastle, um, a fair bit Easter Road the other week. But for 90 minutes, I don't think we've, we've put that kind of performance. The, the scoreline could have been healthier, but the performance, the, the intensity, the tempo, that's how we like to play. That's when we're at our best. And maybe events conspired to give us our best chance of doing that because we've got a three-week break they, and we've got frustration residual from Boxing Day uh, and the manager could say, just empty it boys then, because we've got nothing to worry about nothing to keep ourselves fresh for and December has felt like we've um, we've treaded water with a few games Yeah, uh, Hamilton we, we got away with Hibs at home we didn't and we've turned up for, and certainly in the league Tynecastle, Easter Road and, and, and Saturday to play at the tempo we like to play. 
Um, and when we do that, we want to match for anyone in this country. The problem is finding the ability to win games at a slower tempo because you simply cannot play like that every week. No, no, and and also it's it's a different type of match because the atmosphere was incredible. It's different. It's the build up, and as you say, the players knew just put everything out in the line. You can't do that if you've got a game in three days. No, it's just not. It's not sensible because you'll be completely destroyed going into that match, and they they were able to do it. And Hoggy, as Martin said, it was right from the start. Um, summed up, I thought, perfectly by Andy Halliday winning, not so much a fifty fifty as a, a forty sixty, uh, not in his favour, and then getting up and screaming at the the Celtic player that he just bundled over going through to get the ball, which was clean, incidentally. And right from that, the whole Rangers team was intent that whoever their individual opponent was, they were going to get the better of them. And Celtic wilted in the face of it, there's absolutely no doubt. And they can point to they were missing Tom Rogic, they were. But I was sitting with Martin on Saturday and we were saying before half-time, the reason that particularly Brown and Encham looked so absolutely lost is that last season in this match when Celtic, the 3-2 game, Celtic always had the outballs to Rogic and Dembele, neither of whom, for different reasons, were there at the weekend. And can I just say, by the way, well done to the Australia manager for calling up Tom Rogic and then not even picking him for the match in question, which they won 5-0 anyway. Uh, that that was some outstanding trolling from Graham Typical Arnold. Australian shithousery there, I'm a big fan of it. Yes, it was <laughs> a wonderful piece of sledging um, from the Aussies and uh, congratulations, I'm heading to Australia to, to meet the boys from Orsa in February and I'll be very grateful for this. But they, uh, they just smashed right into Celtic and you saw Celtic's players, particularly their midfield, which has been a very important part of their success against us in the last couple of years, they they didn't know what to do. Every time they had the, the amount of times that Brown and Cham passed the ball straight into the stand under pressure was both hilarious, but as Cammy said, was a result of the pressure they were under for ninety minutes. And that started from the guy right at the front, <coughs> Morelos, coupled with Kent and Candace. Uh, incidentally, Candace was. Condes's stamina was just remarkable in terms of closing folk down and of course then if they managed to get by those front three they were up against what was certainly first 60-70 minutes just a brick wall McCrory, Jack and Arfield and they were up and in their faces from that very first minute Um, they didn't know what to do they're used to playing against us and us standing off them and having all the time and smoking cigars and, and so on they, they, they didn't know what to do. You know, I kind of lost count of the, the amount of times that Celtic literally passed the ball into the stand. Um, wonderful and funny, as you say, uh, but that's all about us. We forced that. That's, that's not Celtic choosing to do that. We forced it. We forced the issue. And we executed our game plan to the absolute bloody letter. Yeah, we did. And Cammy, I, I think that you get, as a senior player you get to a stage in your career where you've only got a few goals left to fulfil and clearly Scott Brown had scoring for Rangers at Ibrox on his wish list and he came close early on with a header from a corner which unfortunately hit the bar but fair play to him um, wonderful back heel to, to Ryan Jack's superb through ball to put the gels in front so maybe we've been a bit harsh on him all these years I think so and I think that and as I'm sure we'll come on to with the ticket allocation, I've now raised a complaint to Rangers because my understanding was that the Broomlin was supposed to be completely shut off to any fans of Universal Credit FC. However, it appears that Lustig tried to get into that stand when uh, Ryan Kent sent him to it. <laughs> um, the, 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 the finish by Brown, just exquisite. Um, I'm disappointed that uh, Cal McGregor wasn't sent off for a uh, a deliberate handball from the Candace effort, but at least one McGregor made a save that day. That's true. Um, Alan McGregor, uh, he was the one disappointment, I thought, Martin, on Saturday. The lazy bugger. I never even saw him. Fucking anonymous. Yeah. Didn't, didn't, didn't get involved. And he won at all. a 50 50. He wasn't <laughs> just, yeah, yeah, I mean. <laughs> 
know, his dressing gown, his pipe out, it was, it was uh, a breeze. Um, but, but not for his, his back four, who still got shouted at constantly. <laughs> he, was, uh, he was giving them it tight. And Martin, um, I, it's hard to pick out individuals because all of them were so good, but I walked out that ground thinking Scott Arfield had delivered an absolute masterclass and exactly what we've needed for a long time because I know that, that we do slag Brown, and deservedly so, um, but he has dominated old firm games against us and the suspicion from supporters has been the old we make him look good thing. Um, I don't know about that, but we certainly have allowed him to stroll around old firm games like he owned it in a way that he didn't get to do pre-2012. There was always uh, opponents there who, who would give him a difficult game. And Arfield, I think, almost took it as a personal duel and said, right, I'm going to go up against you. Whoever wins this, their team will win the game. And for a, a guy that passed a fitness test at 10 o'clock on Saturday morning, his display was outrageously good. I have no idea how he lasted nearly 90 minutes, him and Kent. Um, you, you and Cammy were talking earlier about the, the psychological grip that they had over us and have for, for six six or so years. And it's typified by Brown. And it's, it's personified by Scott Brown. Um, and we, we have allowed him that space. We have allowed him that, that, that respect. And, and he has lauded it over us and he, he's enjoyed it. He doesn't do it in Europe, and outside the parish walls, he's, he's a bit of a joke, hence why I don't know if there's been many offers really to tempt him away um, uh, from, from Parkhead, but there was a, a complete example of, of the Emperor's new clothes just being you know, completely um, shown up, um, and it, it, Saturday was all about one-on-ones, and Arfield and Brown was obviously a key one, Arfield was never going to run from box to box, he wouldn't have lasted that half, but he did what what he could. He just stayed on him uh, and playing in these little boxes, these little um, squares, um, and yeah, he was he was just outstanding. He, he gave he, he was a typified uh, the team that wasn't fit fully, but was willing to absolutely empty everything for an hour and a half. Yeah, and absolutely, uh, Martin, absolutely typified by the drop ball. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was like um, it, it was like Arfield was revving his engine, and everything was getting cleaned out. I've watched that a couple of times, uh, <laughs> a couple dozen, and uh, it's it's odd because it appears the referee beaten who um, brace yourselves, folks. I thought I had a good game. Um, but it appears he did the traditional thing of right, you kick it out or kick it back to them, and Morelos did. But then Arfield seemed to yeah. walk over and say, "No, no, no, we're not." We're not doing it. We're going to contest it, and then it did happen. Um, so it, yeah, it was that was a deliberate little little moment to to lay another marker down. And if you, if you want to extrapolate wider, this Celtic team, long term incumbents, as we we sadly know, they haven't won a title under pressure since two thousand and eight. And they, even then, obviously, a lot of jiggery pokery around uh, around the, the the finale to that season. They have lauded it, and but they've been too comfortable they've not won any big battles and Saturday was was perhaps the start of something something different at least and if they are going to win the title this year they're, they're going to have to to actually do it um, under some kind of strain The thing is though I would say with the, with the Arfield and Brown um, battle itself which might not have been immediately obvious to people watching it on television was um, Arfield was up constantly and where Brown where Brown starts, he's, 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 he's lording it over his opponents and, you know, walk about, you know, cock of the walk and all the rest of it, is because he knows that he can leave it on players. The referees tend not to give him too much against them, and that's it. When Arfield started doing it against them, and a few of them were off, off the ball, not obviously purposeful kicking and all that, but Arfield, every single time Brown turned around, if Arfield wasn't involved in the play, he, he was directly next to Brown, he never gave him any capacity or room to be able to breathe. Um, as soon as Brown hit the deck, which I mean, I lost count, but the amount of times he went down and looked at the referee and Beaton and David, you're totally right, I thought Beaton had a very, very good game. Just not play up government. Already, that sends a signal to the fact that Brown wasn't going to have it his way. Previously, we've seen him getting those kind of 
niggly decisions and that's him just edging his way into it, edging his way into it and then by the time that you get to the clinic closing stages of the game he's, he's strutting about the place but we can yeah proper champions proper guys that can back up the strut they, they should thrive on a challenge like that they should thrive alright finally someone's going to have a go at me right well here we go but he he, he looked completely cowed and that's what I mean they've he, he and them they're flat track bullies they've not won anything under pressure and, and Europe's a, a prime example of that um, and that would have been a first on, on, on Saturday for him but he did not respond at all well not, not in a positive way for them for me the guy that sums up that for them is Mikel Lustig who is a very average football player and we've seen that uh, he's been exposed many a time especially in Europe but he has lorded it over us I think the success of his team um, based on the work of others has gone to his head somewhat and when we've been low he has lorded it over us and then on Saturday he was up against a half fit Ryan Kent and within 10 minutes had chucked it and thought oh I'm getting destroyed here and then did his very best to get substituted and it was quite clear that Celtic didn't want to make the substitution and he insisted uh, and we used to joke when I worked in HR that a back injury was always the worst one because you can't prove it uh, and I think there was a case, oh I, I've hurt my back, are you sure? Yeah, 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 I, I need to come off, um, I, I can't stay on and it was interesting that as I say two of the, the kind of main, if you like, flat track bully uh, elements of their side were among the first to to chuck it, and he, I, he most certainly I, I, chucked it. I totally agree with that. The other person I would add into that is Chan, who I, I've, I don't think I've ever seen a more lackadaisical display from a midfielder in an old firm game, um, including our own players. Um, I know that he's getting a lot of stick from his fellow always cheated, never defeated fans, but there was one element right at the start of the game, I'm sure it was in the first 10 minutes, where there's a ball going out towards the Celtic dugout. And I'm fairly sure it was Andy Halliday was running at full pelt to be able to try and get to it. Does a slide. And Cham is running, but I don't believe full pace. Now, what he should have done at that point is, if he gets a touch in that ball, when Halliday's coming at speed, he gets a touch in the ball, he goes out regardless, but he then takes a foul and probably gets Halliday a booking. He couldn't even be asked doing that, and he just faded thereafter. He just was not interested at all in anything that was happening at that point. And even for guys like Brown, who you know is getting marked as less effective, whatever else has been happening, he was interested in terms of helping him out with that. There was no rallying cry at that stage to say, right, you know, let's pick our socks up and do this. They were they were done by that point, and all these very early things that happened in the game just kicked all that off. Rangers then start to force chances and there was a wee, uh, wee worry, uh, myself and Martin, that we'd kind of seen this movie fairly recently, in fact, with Rangers better side, making lots of chances, not taking them. To say we, we hit the bar, Gordon's made two excellent stops, Rangers are forcing a series of corners, we, we were just all over them as the game is totally being played in their half, they can't get out, um, Boyata... Brown and Cham, if they do get the ball, are turning and passing it straight out the park. Rangers are then, you know, on the throw in back, back in their faces. And then just as you were thinking, mm, we really need to, we cannot go in here at half time without a lead. A brilliant piece of play by Ryan Kent sends uh, Mikel Lustig out for a hot dog for him and then squares it to, to the on rushing Ryan, uh, Ryan Jack. Ryan Jack, Mr. Nay goals himself, hasn't scored for Rangers, steps up, side foots it, keep, as he said himself, just concentrating on keeping it keeping it down, keeping it low, deflects off Brown's heel into the back of the net. And Martin, I'll, I'll start with you because you were with me and, uh, I, and I didn't realise you were as strong as you were until you physically picked me up in a bear hug, um, which might well have cracked a rib. But Ibrox went fucking bananas. When that goal went in, and Ryan Jack's run, um, I think they finally caught up with him in Kinning Park. Yeah, I mean, the show that I do on Patreon, how often do we talk about the noise and these special goals? Um, uh, that was maybe as loud as I've heard it. Obviously, given the, the changing dynamics of an old firm game, 
Um, but it was just relief because you're absolutely right. We're on top here and we've got nothing to show for it. And one moment, just one moment of class um, in that, that, that first half from Kent. Uh, Jack does well to keep it down. That, that could easily be in the, the Brooman rear. Um, and, you know, he, he buys his ticket and he, he gets he gets a wee bit of luck. And it's just that outpouring um, that, that, that finally, then it settles down. And you're like, right, fuck, five minutes, ten minutes, just just don't concede. Because we were there twice earlier in the year um, in the, the 3-2 game. And we couldn't just keep the, the initiative, couldn't keep the, the, the lead. And thankfully we did. Hoggy, Ross Jack, Jack Ross, Ryan Jack, whatever whatever you're calling him this week, uh, he was superb. The manager said afterwards he's one of the ones I trust, um, which I think is a, a huge indicator of how he's been performing and what he thinks of him as a pro. And sometimes it's nice to see the good guys get their reward, and I think that was that was very much a case of that on Saturday. Oh yeah, I think um, recently we're starting to see see the real Ryan Jack. Well done. well done. Uh, ever since he started playing alongside uh, Ross McCrory, and McCrory performs that defensive midfield role so well, I think the the, the manager said it himself on Saturday, <laughs> an animal performance, and it's it's allowed Ryan Jack just to start going forward that little bit more. And play forward passes, you know, he's, he's for too long he was kind of decried as as a as crab like. Um, he's getting forward, head over the ball, away it goes. Very reminiscent, I think, of um, of another chap, uh, maybe closer to this pod, uh, and Kevin Thompson that scored an old for an old firm goal all those years ago, and then just went hearing off. Um, it was it was brilliant to see where, where he did stop was right in front of Cameron and myself. <laughs> and um, I must admit, I, I was starting to get worried he was going to get booked because Conor Goldson's strength was, I think, carried him about five yards off the park. So uh, <laughs> it was it was one of those moments, and we've had a few of them this season, where the fans and the players were just in what, what felt like perfect harmony. Um, and yes, was worried after it around the whole five, ten minutes. But it never really happened because we kicked off and we just went at it again and got right back in their faces again. So a beautiful moment uh, for Ryan Jack and he's, he's, he's really turning out to be one of the good guys. Cammy, it, it was a special moment and I'm going to linger on it a little bit and give everybody a chance to talk about it because we'd mentioned and I'm just going to use this to lead on to talk about the, the difference in the crowd. But Ibrox was just insane. Uh, you know, the, the full proper babies being conceived just to be thrown in the air moment everybody was going nuts strangers hugging high-fiving and the noise for a good three four minutes was just out of this world the place was rocking well for me having you know seen a couple of the kind of last minute winners loving trans one at hamden it's probably the one that i would compare it most to there was people ended up in rows three or four in front of them and all that um I think it was just, it was just the release. It was the pressure. It was the fact that we had started so well. Um, we had been so unlucky in the run up to it, but yet everyone was thinking, "Oh God!" And you're right, we're, we're 15 minutes away from half time. Um, Andy Halliday said it himself in his post match. He said, "You know, if I could have chosen one person to score that wasn't myself, it would have been Ryan, Ryan Jack." Um, and I think that that talks a lot about the squad's buy-in to him and, and obviously what he does within that. Um, Jack's very much an industrious player. He will do a lot of the legwork. He will not, you know, deliver a, a finish as classy as the one that he, he, he produced on Saturday. And the reason why I say it's classy is because um, if you think about that and the way how the tempo of the game was going, it would have been so easy to put your laces through that you know, that, that, that square ball from uh, from Kent. But he doesn't, he opens his body up and opens his foot up and, and places it. The, the shot itself isn't even that hard. It, it's not it's not going at a great pace. Now, for a guy who, who continually eats Lego and must drop some pieces, Brown's reaction was absolutely ridiculous, but still, there's nothing he could do about it. Um, so just a really great finish, just a very composed finish. 
which I felt for me really typified our dominance in the game and not to get carried away with ourselves, even though the, the stadium was going ballistic at that time. It was just, uh, as I say, just a, a phenomenal outpouring of joy, of the pressure being taken off of us, all of that kind of stuff as well, you know. Which, I'll be honest with you, I wish I'd last because... Um, time never moves slower than when you're winning an old firm game No, I had a great lesson in the value of the concept of theory of relativity on Saturday The first <laughs> half an hour, uh, I think I said to Martin, I was like, that's flown by because I was enjoying our performance um, It was it was fantastic Then we score and then it's yes, get to half time so it slows down First 20 minutes of the second half, we're on top, could get the second And then the last 25 minutes was utterly hurt Well, up until the last four or five in injury time when I, I just thought our game management was great, but I'll come back to that. Martin, on the list, uh, the big list of Timmy excuses, um, we only had 750 fans there, has been played quite a lot. Uh, forgetting, of course, that, that we only had the same at Parkhead earlier this season and that wasn't then considered to be much of a mitigating factor. But I did think that we did take... Uh, heart from it and I do think that over the years they have taken heart from running out and seeing the full Broomland having their own their, their, completely their own section um, of Ibrox a, a quarter yeah. of it uh, they run down there and you notice it because obviously the contrast in colours and, and the fact in a way a rock is big away support they're not tucked away behind the goal as we are they're right there as they run out to warm up and, and I think they have taken and I do think on Saturday there's no way to prove it, of course, but I do think on Saturday that they weren't able to use that to react to it. Their, the supporters they did have were, let's not beat around the bush, a fucking disgrace. The, the only time we heard them was during the minute silence. And afterwards, the, you know, they were in a cauldron and they could not handle it. No, they couldn't. You're right, it's the visuals rather than the, the dynamics, I think. Um similar allocation but at it, Parkhead it doesn't quite seem the same because we are tucked away in the corner uh, it's a bigger corner obviously but it, it is that visual um, element I remember 94 and they the, the won each game and it was the atmosphere was shite it was just it was weird um, but Saturday there was a synergy like, between the, the, the team and the support uh, which which has happened someone mentioned a, a while ago a couple of times this season Um but again, I go back. It's nothing that the other Premier League teams don't have to put up with. Um, they, they have to come to noisy eyebrows at times. Um, and you would expect champions, champions that strut around as if they're the hardest players in the world, to react to that, to, to for it to be fuel, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. And they, they they shat the bed because they are flat track bullies. The, the, the big thing for me when we talk about that synergy, <clears throat> which is a perfect description, is every single tackle, every single attempt we went for was just met by, you know, robust enthusiasm from every stand. Um, we mentioned before, and uh, Halliday's tackle, quite early doors and Lustig. You know, the difference between what we do up here and, and, and you know, even like, the, you know, the, the Premier League down south and what have you is, up here, there's a slightly more visceral effect to that where you can feel that there's that energy there. And if the players have it and put in tackles, make runs that they were doing, obviously, Kent, you know, will we'll come on to the chances, I'm sure, in the second half. But the one for me was also about Kandias, where he was coming across the 18-yard box and Brown just managed to get a touch on it. When you're seeing players busting their lungs out, going, you know, winning challenges, been able to do all that and if the player gets knocked at the end of it I don't really care, I'm perfectly happy about that um, that gets the, the you know, the, the, the pulses going, we are giving them the encouragement and then it just continues and that's that's that was the kind of the momentum that we created and the team created for us I thought that the the argument that was used in the previous one which was uh, or used by, by people on both sides was oh the atmosphere won't be the same? Well, the atmosphere was fucking tremendous. Um, it just was a cauldron, and, and my take on it, Hoggy, has always been to Celtic when they complain about this. Well, hang on a minute here. You're the ones that tell us there's no such thing as the Glasgow Derby. Your club won't use our name 
because they pander to the fucking morons in your support. You pretend that we don't exist. So if that's the case, and you genuinely believe that this is not a special match, it's just another game to you, then you get treated like everybody else, and you get 750 tickets and bumped in the corner. That's surely um, the logical consequence of their actions. The excuses started to roll in, or or were lined up just in case, pre-match. Brendan Rogers even talked about it in his press conference. You know, uh, having only having 750 fans might help Celtic. Aye, clearly. Um, and I'll go back to what I said earlier about uh, so-called pundits, about so-called experts. No one used 750 fans or whatever it was at Parkhead for us as an excuse. We were simply rubbish that day, you know, and and, and came away with a 1-0 defeat. Um, on Saturday... Celtic were hopeless. Rangers made them hopeless. They absolutely pressed them to death and they weren't allowed to start. Um, what I will say in, in terms of the contrast of the, the, the two matches, the Rangers fans absolutely sang their hearts out. They were then endure, they, they had to endure staying to watch a lap of honour. They had the, the, the Celtic players sing, dance and go in front of them. Um, none of that happened on Saturday. Celtic fans, you never heard them peep. Certainly not after the game started. Um, you hardly saw any colours as well. Um, and then as soon as the final whistle went, they all left. Every single, you know, they, they left as fast as the, it, it was akin to the 2002 Hamden trap door. Because they were there and then they weren't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and amusingly, Brendan Rogers wanted the Celtic players to go over and applaud the empty seats. I thought that was a nice touch. Yeah, that was brilliant at the end. He he sent them all over to what were a group of empty seats, um, but it meant they had to stay on the park and hear, hear us saluting our players. And uh, then Cami, uh, another excuse that, that was tossed up was, well, Morelos should have been sent off. And as we record this, there's still some debate about whether or not Alfie will be cited for one of, of three incidents that the media are particularly in a, a very much a big uh, a big monthly fanny huff about. And that was, after a couple of minutes, he appeared to, um, well, let's, let's call it what it is, kick Scott Brown in the balls. Um, later on in the half, Ralston claimed that Alfie had stamped on him. And then Christie, who dives more than Duncan Goodhue, decided that he had been struck in the balls by Alfie after what appeared to me anyway, his attempt to stamp Alfie. Um, we know the way Morelos plays. We know he plays on the edge. I think he was probably lucky not to pick up a booking, if I'm being honest. But they they can't surely be clinging to that as the reason that they got they got beat. Yes, Morelos bullied their defenders, but I would, I would be more worried about my defence who apparently have a £50 million Belgian international in them, according to John Hartson. I'd be more worried about the way that one striker was able to knock fuck out of all of their centre-halves. David, you've got to remember the issue with Gypsies, Tramps and Thieves FC is they will always look at being able to come up with an excuse because they've never been beaten fairly in their lives. Morelos should have been booked for the, the, the kicking the balls on Brown. Um, it's too funny to really say that it was, you know, a disgrace to ever get booked. I don't care. I think it's hilarious. Um, I don't care that he stamped um, on Ralph. I don't, I don't care about the punch on Christie, which also I thought was quite funny because one of their fans on social media said, where he hit him, that constitutes sexual assault. Right, okay. Which I thought was a... Was yes. a very, well, they would call it out now. Why don't you? Yeah, they would. Yeah, it was they, a very odd rock to throw in a glass house. Yeah, they, they, they would know if anyone would know about you know football yeah, sexual assault. It would, it would be them. Yeah. Um, the the main thing is Morelos, and, and I said this. I, I said this to Ian during the game. Was there's absolutely no doubt to my mind that he was going to get manhandled. And I don't mean the Ryan Christie way. I mean, you know, when Boyata was leaning over the top of him continuously. Yeah, not his manhandled, you mean? No, no. Um, he, he's played against um, defenders who have got a good foot and a half in height on him. There's no way that they should struggle to beat him for reach. 
yet Morelos kept every single one of them at bay. And again, and I'll come back to this, um, because we're open and honest on this podcast, there was plenty of times where I thought Morelos was getting fouled, and other times where I thought he had fouled the other player, but beaten let them go, because he was never too... And, and brace yourself, Celtic listeners, he was never too pro or against either team. He just let it go. He just let it carry on. And some of our best chances were born out of the fact that Alfredo could do a turn on Boyata. The one, um, you know, close to the start of the second half, when Kent comes in and robs Boyata, and obviously, you know, Boyata then gets to the line and uh, saves um, Arfield's shot. Boyata turns to Gordon and says, why the fuck didn't you tell me he was coming? Now, this is a £50 billion defender. I'm sorry, at the end of the day, you're an hour into a game that you've had constant closing down from your opponent. Why did, why did your goalkeeper need to tell you that? And that, for me, is where you're like, these massive inflations of their value, it's just absolutely ridiculous. Morelos, for me, absolutely harried them constantly. Some of the best forward play, I'll be honest with you, I've seen from a Rangers player, and I really mean that, because he never let it go, he never bit back, which was easy to do. We didn't see, you know, another Pataudry where there was a lash out or whatever. Um, never ever did any of that. The incidents were a bit daft, and but they were funny, so I don't really care. Yeah, if, you, very, if uh, you're gonna kick somebody, if you're gonna kick somebody in the balls. You know, um, well, as, as Cammy said, look, I, I, I should be getting all morally offended and all the rest of it, but Scott Brown getting booted in the fanny was funny, right? It was. It was. It was a. It, it was a performance that was quite reminiscent of um, Daniel Kuzan's last stand at mm. Marquette, oh, yeah. uh, where and let's go back to what Martin said. Bullies got bullied. And they didn't like it. That's all we're seeing here. Morelos gave them zero respect. They got all the respect they deserved. Nothing. And Morelos bullied them. And they don't They don't like it. So they whine and moan. And they get the pals in the press to talk about it. And here we go. And, you know, I said to Cammy during the game, I bet you this ends up at the compliance officer. And it's dead simple. You know, for me, I think, um, Cammy, you're the ref, right? You, you, you can tell me. But... It has to be unseen offences that go to the compliance officer. The boot, Morelos booting Brown in the balls, that resulted in the free kick. That's the reason Celtic got the free kick. It was seen. So, for me, there, there, there's a tough one. And, of course, when Ranger, if when it inevitably goes to the compliance officer and Rangers lawyer up, they'll just take a DVD filled with Stephen Naismith kicking folk, Scott Brown kicking a uh, Hamilton player in the head, Scott Brown elbowing Jason Holt, you know, so on and so on. It is just the bully has been bullied. It's sour grapes. Fucking honestly, guys, dry your fucking eyes. Yep, uh, I think a fair point. Now, Martin, we've we've mentioned all the players so far, with the exception of the two centre halves, who again set the tone. There was an incident in the first half when. Uh, I think it was Forrest was running with the ball. I was screaming at someone to bring him down, and Warrell faced him up. And I thought, just, just go in and you know get. It. But he waited, timed it perfectly, took ball, man, everything, wonderful tackle. And I thought both of them, Goldson in particular, for playing. Let's face it, you know, through the pain barrier with with a painkiller injection to play, he was brilliant. But Warrell, who's had a lot of criticism, including from me at times. I thought he was fantastic and I do wonder, you, you made this point, if perhaps he has a touch of the ammos about him in terms of, oh, this is a big game, this is where I belong and the concentration, is you know, the, the game head is on, whereas in certain other matches, maybe not quite so much. No, it's absolutely that. Um, and I think I said it earlier on as well, that I, I wasn't overly concerned about Warrell playing because he he struts around as if he believes he, he should be playing at that level. Um, and I think it was uh, it might have been Forrest I thought it was Chelsea that was um, uh, trying to escape and we were all screaming because we've seen the film before just end them you know just just take the film um, but he didn't um, he, he waited until he could he could take the ball and and also maybe leave a bit on and just, just make a statement uh, it was a brilliant piece of defending 
it's concentration. That was the concentration we have as well. Um, he is on it on on, on those occasions. Away to Livingston, I'll I'll cruise this. Well, no, you won't, son. And and that's that's an issue for another day. But I, I had no issues with him before, and I think I said to you just during the game that's exactly how it, it panned out. He he's of the the mentality and then maybe the character type who who just rises to to that occasion. Yeah, and uh, both of them were excellent. Into second half, Rangers continue to dominate. Ryan Kent forces a good save from their goalkeeper. Uh, from the rebound, Scott Arfield is one cleared off the line. Ryan Jack forces another good save out of Gordon. This is becoming a pattern. And to be honest, Celtic don't threaten with the exception of uh, a goal that was correctly ruled out for offside by Callum McGregor. And then there was a stramash with five minutes to go, which ends with the heroic Andy Halliday making an incredible block to deny and Cham. And... Heart was in the mouth at this point, but, and I've never seen this um, from them in an old firm game, that they gave up. Uh, you know, regular listeners will know my theory, you always get one chance in the, the dying minutes, if, you know, in a game where it's where it's tight. And I was expecting a cavalry charge, I was expecting a defence is going to have to, you know, give it the full on Leeds 92, they, they were going to have to just be heroic. And it was almost like when that chance was was denied with five minutes plus injury time to go they chucked it and our game management from then on Hoggy was absolutely outstanding and like I said I was so nervous up until that and then afterwards I never felt that we were going to concede we well they, they simply didn't threaten after that we did that thing that um, you remember post Moscow where we didn't manage the game. We lost some goals. We lost the game 4-3. Uh, and all of us talked about game management. All of us talked about teams who have been there, done it and seen it, can manage away the minutes. And we got that. We absolutely got that on Saturday. We broke the play up. We slowed it down. We took our time. Halliday took a booking for taking too long of the throw and then just took as long again. Um, any time we got a corner, Halliday would come from the left to take it on the right, or Tav would go from the right to take it on the left. It was just about running the clock down, and it was excellent. Special mention, David, for a guy that we talked about scar tissue, and we talked about mentality, and we've talked about tankings, and our worry over some of the players who we didn't know if they'd be able to come back from that. So I'm going to give a real special mention to the captain, James Tavenier, because I think on Saturday what we got, and of course, 1-11, to if they were 1-11, to the players were terrific, just absolutely up for it and terrific and executed their jobs to the letter. I felt Tav led the side. He wasn't just the captain of the side, I felt he led the side because he had leaders in the team as well. Compare that to them in the last, effectively, 10 minutes. You know, 84 minutes through to 94, whatever it went to. Um, their captain hid. They didn't want to be there, and they wanted to get the hell out of Dodge. So, you know, I, I thought Tav led from this front and on, on Saturday, and the, the whole game management piece was just synonymous with it. Cammy, an interesting thing occurs um, after the, the final whistle, and we'll, we'll talk about the the reaction, because it was fantastic, it was emotional, it was wonderful, and we, we will talk about it. But before we do, Stephen Gerrard seemed to wait for the Celtic players to come back and then turn his back on them, rather than... He shook hands with Brendan Rodgers and his team, but then normally Stephen Gerrard makes a point of shaking the hands of every opposition player. On Saturday, he just turned his back to them as they were running past them to go into the tunnel. And it made me think back to the game in September where he went out to shake hands with their players as he always does and they deliberately walked past him, went on the lap of honour and then kept him, kept him waiting there to try and make him look stupid as they went round and goaded our fans and, and their usual. He never mentioned it. He didn't refer to it afterwards. He wasn't fuming about it in the press conference. He didn't even mention it to build up to this. But clearly, he's kept it with him 
And clearly, he's been saying, okay, right, and he's used this as part of the motivate motivation for the match. Because I've said long enough, we're never going to beat them until we learn to hate them as much as they hate us. Well, on Saturday, that was a Rangers team that fucking hated their opponents, and we saw what happened. 100%. And um, I don't know if perhaps Gerard went into the away dressing room after the game and went and shook their hands, but I'd be perfectly happy if he didn't, because there isn't that neutral respect there. I am... Um, all, all kidding aside, there's been times where we have seen Celtic teams rightly beat us because we haven't looked good enough but they've also had good players in there. They would never say that about us. They would never do that. We, we've seen tankings, absolute tankings, where not only have we been pumped 5-0, but we've been horrendous. I mean, absolutely horrendous. Now, we've come on here and had a go at our own players and we've done everything else. We've never turned around and said, well, Celtic got this because they cheated and blah, blah. We've never turned around and said that. And I think, for me, that just marks the difference when you're talking about these two clubs because Celtic will will do things like this. They won't even... I mean, Ian said to me that full-time, you know, they, they, they've went away off. They didn't even bother shaking hands of our players, I don't think. I think the vast majority of them just went over to gather across in the corner where there was, you know, loads of stewards that they were going to say cheerio to. Rogers went over, came back, and then they all just tripped off. And I think Gerard was right to turn his back on them. I'm, I'm perfectly happy with it. I want them to be... If, if we're past the point now of there being this respect, they have a massively ingrained hatred of us, um, which I think is a substitute for their true desire of returning to a victim status. Because uh, they miss that mentality. Yeah, they're, they they're not, com- they're not comfortable being on top. They don't no, like it. No, yeah. they don't like it. And now Gerard, um, who we know does not have any time for Rogers anyway, if he's going to cascade that out to his, his players, I'm perfectly happy with that. I've got no problems with that whatsoever. Now, Martin, after the... Or when the final whistle went, and the reaction was awe-inspiring. It really was. The stadium was just... Uh, Hoggy, what's the phrase? Oh, yeah, well, previously it was Tonto yep. through the game. Now it would be Tonto squared. Tonto squared. And... Uh, Martin, at that point, I and I was very surprised at this. I welled up. Uh, I don't cry at football matches, right? I don't cry often. Generally, sad videos involving dogs are the only things that get me um, wound up. But I, I just felt this rush of emotion, and I thought, you know what? Just let it, let it go. I turned around to you, kind of embarrassed, right? Because you know you're quite a sombre gentleman, and you had tears in your eyes as well. And then both of us turned round and everybody in the government was either crying or fighting or choking them back. It was a big moment. And the players didn't indulge in triumphalism or anything like that. They just walked about soaking it in. There's a great picture or, or, or a few seconds of video of Connor Goldson just standing at the Copeland with a big grin on his face, just taking it in. And it was uh, the players just walked about to the fans, you know, maybe the the fist gesture or whatever. It was a lovely moment. It went on for about two minutes. The BBC of all people have put out footage of it where the players were on the pitch. The noise was incredible, the, the stand. It was a very, very special moment. It was. And we weren't fighting them back because we had got ourselves back into the mix in a... In a in a league title campaign or we'd, we'd finished uh, the first half of the season well but it, it, it transcended this season it transcended the the arithmetic of, of, of league football um, it was just an outpouring um, that the Scottish Cup semi didn't quite get um, we needed to do it um, in, a, in a league game we need to beat them over 90 minutes Um and we've we've wanted to believe in, in, in this manager and this team. We've wanted to believe in managers and teams before. But this just coming together, um, it, it, it was just bigger. It was bigger than the fixture. Um, and it, it, it meant more than, than three points. Not sure I would agree that the team didn't indulge in triumphalism, rightly so. It was a, a, a huge result. I think I count triumphalism as... You know, 
your lots of honours and going to the away support, although it would have been, they would have had to have been on a train at that point to do that. But uh, yeah, I don't think it was. I think there's a difference between celebrating your victory with your fans and then very deliberate get it up used to the opponents. I didn't think. No, hey, we, we go back to that synergy again. We, we were sharing. They, they know how much it means to us. I know as professionals, that's a, that's a big win for them. Is this new team um, finding their way and their shape? Um, that this is a huge, it's a huge marker. Um, come at the right time when you when you've got a break. If if we had to go to Fur Park on Saturday, we'd get beat because uh, we were on our, our absolute uppers, giving absolutely everything. And there there will be a kind of emotional hangover um, that we're probably not ready to manage it. So thankfully we we have three weeks in which to to process all of that and then start afresh. For what is now the title race, the first half of the season is positioning yourself. Once you get back, it's it's now it's now business time, and we'll see how we do business. We'll see how we we respond to, to other challenges. We know now, and we've probably known before as well. But we know now for ninety minutes that we we can lift a game for big one-off challenges, and that's fine. And it's good to know, and it's good to have that psychological grip released. Um, we've we've got another we've got other challenges to to overcome now, and and that's that's fine. Oggy, I saw you and Cammy immediately after the match, and you were not as as bouncy as I would have expected. It was as if you were reflect. I mean, you were happy, but you were reflective. Is probably the word I would have used. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's that's right. Reflection on where we've been. Uh, reflection on the past. Whatever it is, you know, seven and a half year or seven years um and and also that thing that we've talked about david's gods a number of times you know as well you, you know how bitter i am as to what happened and and the bitterness is driven by um kids who were 10 and 11 have had the past seven years effectively taken away from them they've not been allowed to grow through their teenage years following rangers as as we did um and that that was that was stolen from them. And obviously, my my daughter's now eighteen. Um, last time she saw Rangers beat Celtic in the flesh was August two thousand and eleven. Uh, she was ten; she wasn't eleven yet. And here we are. She was she was eighteen uh, a few weeks ago, and God, Cammy stood beside her. You know, she was a she was a bundle of nerves, emotional wreck. Um, crying at the end, so that that that's what drove the the the, the reflection. Um, that and also, I was bloody exhausted. I felt as if I played the whole match. Yeah, I think we all did, mate. Um, and Cammy, this is this is the thing that we mentioned right at the start that people who accuse us of over celebrate whatever that they don't get. We have been to hell, and now we are coming back. We're not there yet, and we won't be there until fifty five, but. I don't think there's anything wrong in, in celebrating reaching an uh, an important staging post because if that McGregor goal is allowed and Celtic get out of there having played so poorly and us played so well and we still haven't beaten them, then not only do they maintain their psychological grip, they strengthen it. It was vital for Rangers to get this victory. Um, to get it in the manner we did as well was was huge. To say to them, no, no more free hits, that now Rangers are back and, as Martin said, you don't get to just swan about this place like you own it anymore without a challenge. Well, David, I'd mentioned a few of the live shows <clears throat> that were previously and I was, I was confident, to paraphrase Jock Wallace, I was confident before the game started. I, I thought we had the capability and character of this team now to beat them at Ibrox. Um... I didn't think we would do it so convincingly, which I know sounds a bit oxymoronic given it was a 1-0 win, but when you're then looking at the chances that we had and the dominance of our performance, it should have been far more. Um, the thing I would I would look back at that when you talk about that journey and where we were at, there's two things for me. That The first one is um, there's, there's no shame in going through the range of emotions that we've had and you've got no ability... Um, 
take control of that, and that's why we all love this. This is why we we love you know we love football. I think if anyone's going to criticise you for that, they have got no right to talk about sport in any capacity because they don't understand it. Mm. And when you're coming out of the stadium, and I barely remember walking out the stadium because everyone's jumping about, singing. Everyone to a man was like that. And as, as you said before, there's some great videos of the fans coming out doing that as well. Um, we've all experienced all four wins before. You know, you do the crazy people just running up, hugging you and seeing people and all of that kind of thing as well. And just, you know, jumping up down the stands. But this one felt far different and it felt far purer. And I suppose what I mean by that is it had taken so long to come. And we've never sang a sob story. We've never done that. We've, we've had to fight and work to be able to get back to where we were and beat them in the league is a step, but it's a huge marker and that's what we need to do. And I think as I've, I've kind of looked externally outside of the kind of Rangers circle and the Rangers family around what that result has meant, the amount of fans which I think we're now getting from other teams, whether it's just your average Joe Bloggs or whether or not it's maybe it could be a celebrity fan or someone involved in the sport, people now resonate more with Rangers because of our journey. And you know what? People may turn around and go, well, it's great for Scottish football that it's getting slightly more competitive. And yeah, do you know what? You know, there is obviously a, a huge element of truth in that. But I think people genuinely empathise because they're, they're, they're sincere sports fans about the journey that the fans have had to go through. So we can celebrate as much as we want. I wouldn't take any any form of kind of moral dictation from anyone involved with that mob. So as far as I'm concerned, we fought for it, we worked for it, um, we absolutely deserved it. And, um, you know, there was plenty of tears in Ibrox Saturday. Um, clearly, the one for me when I look back at the post-match is from, you know, the staunchest man in the world with his jersey over his head just trying to contain his emotions until the second staunchest man in the world runs onto the park and just picks him up and gives him a massive bear hug. I don't, I, I'm, I don't care what anyone says. That, for me, is how much it means to these players. OK, folks, that'll do us. And we won't be here next week because, obviously, we're in a winter break, but we'll be back on the 14th as we begin the season again with a trip to Cowden Beef in the Scottish Cup. There's just time for me to thank our executive producers in London, Mr Mike Lee and Paul Myers, and to remind you that you can hear from us every day, even during holidays, um, if you go over to Heart and Hand on Patreon, which is just patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Heart and Hand, where you will find tons and tons of content, including a, a very fun show Martin and I did last night, where we... Um, <laughs> sat and enjoyed some of the best tweets from hurting Celtic fans uh, last night, a, a bit of a implosion. Just before we go, I've done this podcast for eight years and there have been highs and there have been lows and then lower lows and then lower lows than that. And all through it, we've tried to be humorous, we've tried to have fun, we've tried to keep everybody's heads up, and including our own, because... At any given point, it threatened to to consume us. If you if you stop for a second and just realised what had happened to us to this thing that we love and cherish and value so much, it would have been too much. And I'm not sure emotionally we could have coped with it, but we did, and we coped with it by laughter, by working to get through it, and by turning to each other. So first of all, can I thank the boys? for always turning up for these shows, no matter how they feel. And thank you today to Martin. Pleasure. To Cameron. Pleasure as always. And to Hoggy. Thanks, mate. And can I thank you all for listening and for contributing and for giving us the opportunity to do what we do. We always said there will be light at the end of the tunnel, and I know that several times we felt it was an oncoming train, but... The reason that Saturday resonated so much with every one of us is because we knew, we absolutely knew that this was the signal that Rangers have returned and we are ready to take back what's ours. And when we do, and it may not be this season, but it will be soon, each and every single one of us will deserve it. We have fought for our club. We've kept it going. We've stuck with it through the dark days. And now it's time for us to claim our reward Rangers are back. We are the people. Thank you for listening. We'll be back in two weeks. Bye.
Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.